0: You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. Welcome to episode 23 of The Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Also presented by Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. If you want to get everything your dog's got, then you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup at yukonubaSportingDog.com. Love me some Yukonuba. Fed my dogs that all week as we were up in Montana, North Dakota. Kept them as fresh as they could be. Also brought to you by Trinity Bretons, now offering the Trinity Upland Academy to help each Trinity Breton client attain and develop the highest level of training available with George Hickox. Trinity is committed to producing premium Epignol Bretons for the field trialer and foot hunter alike. Angels in the home and demons in the field. Trinity offers puppies, the Trinity Upland Academy, starter dogs and stud services. Check them out and learn a whole lot more. Message Josh, um, email them, find them online. Trinity Bretons, Trinity Breton Academy or Trinity Upland Academy um, or their website, TrinityBretons.com. Also presented by Pointer Traditions guys Pointer traditions making some badass dog collars bird straps um my dogs got their collars a couple weeks ago and these things are incredible uh really tough uh material uh bird straps i never knew i wanted one or never knew i needed one um uh, you know these are these big game straps typically they're they're leather they're big um These ones are that that PVC coated webbing, Um, just fantastic. I I thought they were really cool. Uh, made, Made for some really cool photos of Sharpies and Huns. On our trip, and I got the little bit smaller size, so they're not overly big. And I'll, I'll absolutely use them for uh, for roosters as well uh, come fall. So um, really quality stuff. Um, I do have a promo code if you want to um, head over to pointertraditions.com. Uh use promo code rookie15. Rookie15 is gonna get you 15% off your order at Pointertraditions.com. One more I wanted to talk about is Onyx Hunt onyx hunt um i used it all week in my trip uh, up north um my, jeremy used it all week i used it all week we had two rocking at all times for different reasons um checking land ownership uh walk-in areas you know uh all that i like i'm lost for words <laughs> we, I, i've used it for years um and just a great system if you don't have onyx hunt yet um you're gonna want to get it it makes knowing where you stand and that's kind of their tagline okay i get it it makes knowing where you are and where you stand a lot easier uh knowing boundaries um seeing what what property is what um it's it's a must-have for upland hunters big game hunters so um check out onyx hunt um tur20 is going to save you 20 percent off your subscription to onyx hunt um you know again seasons just getting kicked off um download it now um and start exploring playing around with the app uh, the web version on your computer as well um, so lots of functionality lots of tools there um, i had ben Bredigan on a couple episodes ago might be episode 21 or so. Um, go back and check that out. He explains uh, on X- even a little bit more. We, we get in, uh, a little nerdy about uh, <laughs> how we organize our pins and color code and all that kind of stuff. Um, I have started to color code some of my pins. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to come up with a better system because I've been a little bit all over the place. It's been a little annoying, so anyways. Up in montana and uh i i started to get a little better at that so anyways guys uh great episode for you today i'm talking with my buddy adam freeman uh, i've actually known adam online for a few years now um him and i, I so i used to own a, a dog that is a sibling to one of his top dogs right now um he has a dog named hatch uh, uh american Brittany, who is tearing it up in the field trial world right now he's just going on a tear um, he's winning all sorts of stuff and, um, uh, some pretty exciting stuff, uh, coming here for Adam and hatch. Um, so really loved our conversation today. Uh, but I wanted to just do a quick recap on, um, I'm back home now. I got home on Saturday, uh, from what I'm calling my dream hunt, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it was, it was a trip of a lifetime. Um, I had so much fun, um, jeremy lowry uh lives up uh, in north dakota there and we just had the best time uh chasing wild birds um all public yeah i'm trying to make sure all public land we we didn't have any any private land um i had a lot of bma lands uh, up in montana um the walk-in land in north dakota and guys it was it was incredible um really blessed i was able to you know take that kind of a trip that extended period of time um just wanted to share a couple of my my learnings i guess from the trip a couple of things that stuck out to me and uh and we'll jump into today's episode but um now, first, first one I was gonna say is I started to journal on this trip and kind of keep a hunt hunt journal. I'm um, actually I didn't record the last day yet. I need to to get into my journal and, and record that. Uh, I'm just using the, uh, the notes app on my phone and just kind of writing uh, some of the highlights from the from each day. Um, it's a blast, guys. You gotta try it. I know I talked with uh, Cade Springsteen about this uh, a while back, and he, he's he's very diligent about you know keeping a journal and stuff and and more of you are are doing that. And so I think it's a great idea um, just to be able to look back and remember some of these details that you might not remember two years, five years, 10 years from now. Um, So that's been really fun. Uh, keeping that. Um, Another thing I I, kind of took away, I kind of was kicking myself towards the end of the trip. Um, I should have rested my dogs probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, So I started uh, hunting in Colorado before I headed up north. And so we hunted hard a day and a half here, Uh, really rocky terrain kind of, you know, started to to tear up their pads maybe a little bit um, just because it was so rocky. And once we got up there, we hunted hard Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and by Wednesday, I noticed Gage uh, not slowing down, but getting there. he get, getting there. Wind was even a little slower. Um, so, uh, uh, so anyways, then th- Wednesday night, I really noticed Gage's pads were, were getting pretty bad. I did hunt him on Thursday, he had a, a really, really good run. Thursday, I'm, I'm really glad I got him out, um, but then I didn't, I didn't hunt him Thursday night um, or a Friday at all. So I kind of retired him for the trip. Um, pads was getting pretty beat up. He had a couple, couple little lacerations on his uh, chest as well. So um, hindsight, I wish I would have rested him. Maybe yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe two days even. Um, it just, it just kind of gets away from you. You get so excited when you're getting into birds and you're putting your best dogs down and um, you just want to keep hunting them. And, um, I wish I would have had them for that last day as well. Um, uh, every, every day was great. Um, I don't think we, no, we didn't get skunked any day. We, we had a couple, a couple walks that we, we didn't get birds. Um, I think every, almost every walk we, we got birds up and saw birds. Um, so that was just a takeaway. Um, uh, rest your dogs. They're not machines. They are animals and they need their, their rest as well. So live and you learn. Um, I did run win Friday. Yeah, she had a great run, man. She figured things out, um, took her a couple days, I think to really lock in the scent and kind of what, what she was supposed to do. Um, but man, once she did, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, man, she, she had a great run. There was one field in particular where, uh, she was pointing, uh, pheasants, roosters and hens. I mean, obviously, you know, they're not in season yet, but it was fun just to let her work those and just to let her figure out, um, what she's doing uh that was a blast and then we got into some sharpies she pointed a couple of really nice sharpies and it, that one field i think taught her more than anything on this whole trip i really do um and a day prior to that actually uh we found we we drove by a, a bma and found some road sharpies and they were on the road so we, we saw where they went we left our guns in the car let her out um no guns just wanted to kind of see how she worked these sharpies and that was, that was incredible. Again, one of those moments where we're not out to hunt. We're just letting the dog work, letting her learn. Um, she, there must've been 10 Sharpies in this, this little uh, covey or flock, whatever the term is. And she, uh, she'd point one or uh, I shouldn't say that <laughs> she busted them, uh, but she would only bust one at a time. And she would go off three, 400 yards chasing this, this Sharpie, come on back to the same spot, find another one chase and that built so much drive and excitement and anticipation she was like oh this is the bird i'm looking for this is kind of you know what i'm doing so that i think that instilled and impressed upon her a lot um in that moment again that's that's the game we were chasing and so that was that was actually really fun just to um just just see her her get out there and start to have things click, have things kind of, you know, figure figure out. And so seven months old man. Uh she'll be eight months in a couple weeks, I think. And um it was it was a highlight seeing a young dog get out on the big prairies of uh Montana and North Dakota and just do her thing. Just uh figure things out. That was that was awesome. Um Gage for me was was a standout for me. Um, he Oh man, he had some great. Uh, again, there was, there was a standout field I remember, um, where he just went on a tear. Um, he was pointing everything—huns, uh, sharpies—and it was Jeremy and I. We, we couldn't miss. I feel that field. It was just left and right. Um, he was retrieving birds, and it was hot out too. And so it was. It was just a cluster in, in the best way possible. Um, and again, had some really really nice retrieves. And that's been something his retrieve always has not, has not always been very strong. Um, I force fetched him a couple years ago and just to see, um, I, I wasn't telling him to go fetch. He was, he was uh, going to get down birds after we'd shoot them with, with no verbal. Um, so to see that kind of stick and click in him, um, was really fun as well. You might've heard us on the epi- last episode, but first day we shut our limit of huns and, and I didn't think I hit one and he goes tearing across the road. And I'm like, Gage, hey, get over here. What are, you, what are you doing? Get over here. And sure enough, he comes back with a hunt in his mouth. And I had no idea it was over there, but uh, but he did and, and made about a 70-yard uh, retrieve. And so... Um, that was, that was pretty freaking special. Um, get your, get your, your dog on, on birds and all that good stuff. So uh, I have nothing but good things to say about this trip. It, it was special for sure. In so many ways, uh, hanging out with my buddy, Jeremy um, was just, it was so much fun. It was all the laughs and the memories that we made um, just in that one trip are are going to last a lifetime. And so I, I encourage anyone out there who is contemplating a trip somewhere, no matter where it's at, utah kansas nebraska north dakota where, where, whatever you're thinking about doing just do it <laughs> i swear just make the plans take the vacation time um make the trips do it don't let drought scare you off don't let other things scare you off just freaking go i i, I put off montana last year i was like ah, i'm not gonna go last you know i only had i think one dog at the time I'm not gonna like whatever your circumstances are sure it's gonna be different if you have one dog versus 10 dogs. Sure. It's gonna be different, but still you're going to have a blast and make memories. And so don't let those things slip by you and and get away. Really uh, make the time for it. Invest. Um, it's, it's something you'll never forget. So I will say it was so good getting back home to the family. I'm not going to lie. I think I was gone, but not eight or nine days total. And, uh, it's, it's definitely good getting back to the kids and the wife and, um, just getting back into some normalcy. Um, actually Uh, I was gonna jump right back into work. I was like, I'm gonna take another couple days and just just hang out with them and and just kind of reconnect. And so um, it's good to do that. Um, You know, it's it's hard on them when we're gone as well. And so make sure you're making your family a priority. Uh, I'm sure I don't have to say that to a lot of you, but um, just make sure you're. You know, being attentive to, to your wife and kids or spouse, and because uh, it's it's a sacrifice on their part as well when we are gone for that long. So, anyways, Kirsten, if you're listening to this, thank you again for this amazing trip I was able to go on. So, anyways, guys, uh, that's all I have to say. I'm sure you'll hear a lot more of my stories and. Uh, long-winded discussions on on this uh, North Dakota, Montana trip, but um, I'll be posting uh, lots of photos and videos over at Upland Brits and the Upland Rookie um, Instagram page, so stay tuned there. uh, Lots more photos to come. I took way more photos than I thought I was going to, but now I have to sort through them all, but it stresses me out. Um, anyways, guys, we're going to jump into today's episode. Last reminder, I haven't said this, said this in a while, but, uh, please leave a rating and a review on Apple podcasts. Um, it really, um, it does help the, the ratings of the show, um, go higher in search rating or search results, I guess. So if someone's searching for an upland podcast, the more ratings and reviews that this show has, the higher it'll pop up in the feed pretty simple. But anyways, I love hearing and reading every comment that you guys leave and feedback. I, I love it. Um, so please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. And that's all I got. All right. Enjoy the episode with Adam Freeman. Okay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Sorry, my dogs are scratching in the back. But um, so I know we've we've messaged over Instagram quite a bit, but we've never actually talked <laughs> in person or over the phone, really. So it's nice to uh, nice to finally meet you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You too. Um, I think, uh, you know, following you on Instagram, I feel like we've kind of are, we have the same path. Um, and I think we're going to talk about that in this, in this podcast too, but our, our path, um, is, is relatively similar, just a few years different, uh, with you kind of taking that path now that I took probably seven or eight years ago, you know? So, um,
0: no, that's I definitely uh definitely will be getting into that soon. Kind of the funny part is um, so I obviously I had Gage, uh I knew Jeff, all that. I was starting to to train Gage over at his house. And then separately, you and I were already following each other on Instagram for a long, long time. And I never made the connection that you guys knew each other or had or you had the dog, you know, out of him. And then yeah. one day, uh, I think after you and I were talking about maybe grouse hunting, um I knew your name and then then I was over at Jeff's a couple of days later and he said something about, you know, Adam Freeman. And I was like, wait, that sounds really familiar. And so I, f- I finally put those two and two together. I'm like, does he have a dog? And so it all came together.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's an extremely small world. Um, you know, the trial community, especially in the Brittany side. And we, you know, it seems like all the people know each other and one big happy family a lot of times. So
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Adam, why don't you uh, go ahead and put us on a map right now? Where are you? And just give us a little overview uh, of who you are.
1: Cool. So currently, as I sit right now, I'm in Springfield, Missouri. Um, I work for Bass Pro Shops. Um, I'll kind of get into my story on how I made it to Springfield. Um, But uh, uh, I've kind of been all over the the country um, with, uh, you know, where I grew up, school, um, different career path. So I can get into that. Um, but, uh, I grew up in upstate New York in the Buffalo region there, went to school down in Savannah, Georgia and art college, um, and also played baseball out there. Mm-hmm. When I was, um, when I was in school, I had an internship at Cabela's, um, um, in the web department there. So as a junior, I went out to, uh, to Sydney, Nebraska where, um, I mean, it was a little bit of a culture shock out there. Um, I mean, it is, I mean, you know, it's just desert, right. And, <laughs> um, took that internship with Cabela's really liked it out there, fell in love with it. And at that time I didn't ha- I had no idea about upland hunting. I, I didn't even know it was a summertime. So you didn't even really see that many pheasants out there, you know, didn't, didn't even cross my mind, um, any of that. And growing up too, um, I never had dogs. Um, we just never had them in the family. Um, but it wasn't until I graduated college. So left at intern, you know, I had the internship ended, graduated in 2008, um, struggled getting back in with Cabela's just, just with the economy. So, um, I took a job down the road from Sydney, Nebraska in Cheyenne, Wyoming with a company called Sierra Trading Post.
0: Okay. I've heard of them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They're, they were an outdoor company at the time, uh, privately owned, um, and they dealt with like a closeout higher end outdoor brands, but closeouts and, and things like that. And that's really where it kind of started. Mm-hmm. And, um, so at Sierra Trading Post, you know, if you have a lot of German short hair people on this, on your podcast, they may know the name Keith Richardson. He was the owner of uh, Sierra trading Post in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And, yeah. um, Keith was such a, he, he's a great guy. Um, he he does so much for the the short hair community for the to trial community. Um, and every day going into work, he would have short hairs um, huh. running through the building.
0: Right, <laughs> working at your desk. And That's a over. cool place to work. Well, hey, what, yeah, real quick, really what was work. what was his name again? Keith Keith, Keith Richardson. Yeah, Richardson. he was a okay. Yep. Um,
1: but very heavily involved in trials, um, both AKC and Navda and dogs would be running all over the place and i was like again i was still like what is going on you know i don't know anything about bird hunting um and then as i was working for a trading post i also had a roommate his dad was in the trials um his name was is kevin wade not you know he's more of a club guy local guy in denver there but you might come across him will someday and this guy you know he is one of the greatest out there in the trial world. Wow. So smart, willing to work with you. He's an unbelievable handler. Um, if you have a time, if you have a, if you ever in an area where there where Kevin's around, make sure you stop and introduce yourself and follow him. Uh, cause you're going to learn a lot as well. Yeah. So I was his, uh, his son's roommate. So all this stuff is starting to happen with these dogs at work and I'm understanding the trial game a little bit. And, um, One day I, I, I just, you know, got the courage to go into Keith's office and I had a lower end job at, at Sierra Trading Post at the time. It's kind of entry level, you know, and he was in the big corner office with his dogs and big dog gate around, you know, at his, at his door. And I just went in there one day and I said, I'm interested in, in getting a dog. I was recently married. My wife wanted a dog. I didn't want just a little ankle biter type of dog. I wanted a dog that would, that would work. Right. So, um, worked up the courage, went to Keith's office, talked dogs for an hour, hour and a half. And at the end of it, I go, Keith, I didn't tell you this, but I'm kind of interested in getting a Brittany, you know? <laughs> and, and he oh, just kind of, yeah,
0: he's a, he's a big short hair guy. That's right.
1: Yeah. short hair guy. So he kind of laughed and he goes, um, you know, the guy you got to contact is, is Jeff Hoskins out of our of Parker there. So okay. um, that's kind of how it all started. I called wow. Jeff um, Hey, do you have a, a litter at the time? And he's like, really, I really don't have a litter happening. And he thought about it. He called me back like an hour later. Like, yeah, I do know of a very good litter, um, in Kansas. So, uh, picked up my first dog, um, in Kansas, drove, drove across the state there, um, out of, a, a really good line. He talks, you know, out of that uh, six, those free boy, um, his boomer dog. And then, um, uh, Matt kitchen had a dog named lady that was a, a field champion as well. So uh-huh. got a dog um, so that's kind of how it started. And that was, I mean, that dog is nine years old now. So it was nine okay. years
0: ago. Oh, wow. That's awesome. What, um, I, let's unpack that just a little bit. And we can dive into a little bit more, but what, um, so you kind of knew when you're talking to Keith at that point, you kind of already knew you wanted a Brittany. What, what was kind of leading you towards that?
1: You know, I didn't know what I was doing and right. And I, I'm, I'm going to come out and say, right. now, I've been this, <laughs> None I've been of us do. This. None of us do. I've been in this for nine years. And I still don't know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. I Every single trial, every single training session I go to, I'm learning. Right. So I'm, I, I do not want to come across as somebody that is, is teaching and, you know, I'm just kind of giving my, my input here. Right. But I'm certainly not one that knows a lot in this world, even though I've been in for nine years. Um, but, uh, um, I don't, I, I you know, I didn't have a lot of property in Cheyenne. Um, I, I wanted a smaller dog. I think my, my wife kind of wanted that dog that could climb up in bed, and, you know, and, and I could have went with a smaller short hair, I'm sure. Right. it could have been the same thing, but yeah. there's something about, I don't know. I just, I just, there was something about the Brittany. I I'd never even been around them mm-hmm. either. It's not like, yeah. Oh, I've been around the dog versus that dog. I just, we just decided to go with a smaller frame dog. Which yeah. Brittany's probably are a little bit smaller framed than a short hair. Or a oh, definitely. Hair, definitely. Um, we just kind of want
0: that route, you know? Yeah. Well, I can, was, I, I mean, you probably know this, but I think you made a, gr- a great choice <laughs> Yeah. on the Brittany. Yeah.
1: They're a great breed, man. They're, they're just all around. They're really fled- fun. So what,
0: dog. so what came first? So you, so you, you know, you got your first dog, you kind of started down this path. Did you just know in your head, you wanted to jump into the trial side of things? Did you know you wanted to do both hunting and trials or what did you start with?
1: You know, at the time I was in Cheyenne, I was hunting just a little bit at that time. Cabela's was not even in my mind at that point in Sydney, Nebraska. So I was, I was hunting just a little bit. It was more of a, a you know, I'm, I'm it's bad to say, but it's more of a pet type of a deal back then, I think, sure. um, but knowing that, Hey, Jeff, you know, or Matt, I, I am going to be going to trials. I am going to be learning. I am going to be hunting this dog. Right. So, um, they treated me well for sure. Um, I, at that point I was a little intimidated with the trials. Um, I went to a few, um, I entered my dog in a couple, I think two or three of them got snowed out in, in Colorado there. oh geez. And then it got to like, okay, I'm a little intimidated. I'm going to a few, but I'm not running. Oh, a couple got snowed out. Oh, and now he's two years old, and it's like, okay, now this is a totally different ball game. Like, oh, you
0: missed, all, yeah, because you missed all the what the puppy and the Derby stakes, right?
1: Yeah, it's the puppy and the Derby. Now I have to have a broke dog, and it's like, whoa, oh, the now the, do I do that? Now I'm completely overwhelmed with this whole deal, right? So, um, at that time, I, I was moving to Sydney, Nebraska. Um, I transitioned from. Sierra trading post to back to Cabela's I, I, I received a great job as being the manager of outdoor ventures or marketing manager of Cabela's outdoor ventures mm-hmm. um, going on a lot of hunting and fishing trips all over the world when the marketing was great gig um, but now I'm in the heart of pheasant country I feel not I mean really good pheasant country out there in western Nebraska so that dog turned into certainly my hunting dog Hunt, you know four or five times a week even even if it was over my lunch break there you go uh, and we shot a lot of birds um, i never did go through the full breaking process with that dog i like the way he handled with those wild those wild birds with not going through the full breaking process that makes sense sure. um, um, there were so many birds in that country at times i just wanted to you know, I, I wanted to, I worked that dog and I handled that dog the way I wanted it. And, and it worked out great. We shot a lot of pheasants.
0: And I was going to say you primarily pheasant dog, right? You weren't doing much other species at no, the time.
1: Some grouse and pheasant was okay. what it was in that region. Um, but didn't really have a need to travel or didn't really have a, a desire to go after a bunch of different species of quail or anything like that. So
0: sure. Okay. So <laughs> what, um, so, so talk about, so you had that first dog and then, so what kind of led you to, cause you have hatch. So you just have a two, you have hatch in your, in your first one. Uh,
1: my first dog is Trico. Yep. So okay. I, I go up of fly fishing terms. Trico is a fly fishing oh, okay.
0: fly
1: pattern. I was big in the fly fishing out there out West as well. So
0: nice.
1: for Trico, um, his name is Snick. booming on the high plains. Um, but again, never really a trial dog for me, just a really good hunting dog. And I think he would have been great. His his uh his sister is just, is an unbelievable trial dog. Her name's BB, um MK's my little ammo, and is just tearing it up and, and did an awesome job this past year as well. Um so I, I really do think that he could have been a really good shooting dog, um, or potentially an all-age dog, probably more a shooting dog, but um he had everything as well. Again, cool. just a little intimidated with it. Um, and then you know four or five years goes by. Um, I'm a big believer in spacing out dogs properly too. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to have a ton of dogs, I think, I mean, you really have to space them out, right. Yeah. Um, I feel, uh, it makes sense to do that. So now my dog is what four or five at that time. And now I'm getting to that age where if I'm going to get a second dog, this is the time to do it. Sure. Uh, and worked with Jeff again. Um, uh, he had a, a litter coming up with, um, you know, his dog Spanx Hank, which is, he was a, a very popular dog. If people, if you follow the Brittany world, you know about Spanx Hank, um, got a dog from him. And then, um, another dog that was from back East, um, um that he bred too. So, um, a lot of chalk talks diamond and things like that. So um, okay. that's where I got the catch from. And I, you know, you make that promise, right? And uh, to Jeff, well, you're going to have to run him in at least one trial, you know, is what he says. And, um, and then you, you do it. Right. And the problem is, and it's not a problem. It's a very, very good problem. But the problem is, is you end up in that trial and he played, so I ended up hatching a trial. I don't know, seven, eight months old or whatever he places. And it's like, Oh crap. You know, here we go. Did, now did we're that, in. Did that,
0: that kind of did that kind of ignite something in you where are like, oh, this is kind of well, cool.
1: It ignited it ignited. Yeah. I knew that I had a good dog at that point. Um, I knew that I was gonna be in it for the long haul because I owe it to that dog. I knew I was gonna have a lot of fun doing it. I knew I was gonna have uh my banking account shrinking a little bit too, you know, <laughs> Um, at that point, you know, you start making those decisions when they're, they're, they're placing, they're doing well, that, uh, you know, this is serious, you owe it to the dog. And I felt I owed it, owed it to this dog. So I worked that dog through the puppy, the juvenile stakes, you know, puppy and Derby. And we got the points. We got our, we got our puppy and, and Derby points. Um, and then I knew, okay, well, I got these points. We got to keep going now. So, um, ended up and this is kind of funny. Jeff has a good buddy, um, who's a dog pro Bob, um, Burchett, um, with Burchett gun dogs, not Burchett. Um, he goes, you know, you, you might want to look into Bob at, to breaking your dog. Cause now we're at the two year mark where you have to break your dog. Right. Um, to be steady to wing and shot in the AKC Peel trials. So I call up Bob and, um, I drive my dog all the way to, to Springfield, Missouri. Um, to leave with Bob. At that point, I still did not, at that point, I had no idea that I would end up in Springfield, Missouri. Oh
0: yeah. Cause Six you're still in Square. Sydney at this point, right? At this point, I'm still in
1: Sydney, Nebraska, working for Cabela's. Now, um, if anybody um, was following that a, a few years ago, <laughs> I was going to get, I was going
0: to ask you stuff. about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cabela's went through that merger with Bass Pro Shops, right? Sure. The uh, Where Bass Pro bought Cabela's. At that time, I didn't even know any that was happening. It was not a definite, and I just sent my dog to, to arguably the best, uh, the, um, dog trainer for Britney's in, in the country. And I ended up there six months later living 20 minutes away from him. Right. So like, what are the odds? And, that's um, wild so that that's where I'm at today. So about you know, that hatch dog, my hatch dog, um, his name is Snick um, Hanks hatch, um, he, uh, he's been with Bob and on, on the circuit and doing all that. And, um, he's, he's come a long way and he's, he's doing a really nice job. So
0: that's awesome. A couple, couple big questions I have for you. I kind of want to unpack a little bit more out of, of what you were just talking about first, I want to back up a little bit. Um, so you mentioned you had, you know, you ran hatch in his kind of first couple of trials, he started placing and you're, you're kind of like, oh, I got, I got a really good dog here. I, I want to play devil's advocate. Cause I, there's some people I will talk to that. Um, I like I'm, I'm not, I'm on more of like, I, I like trials. I like that game. Now I'm getting that bug. Cause I think it allows you to test and see your dog. But mm-hmm. the other side of people I hear is they say, Oh, I just want to meet dog and trials. It's just pigeons. So you can't really tell a lot. What, what are your thoughts around like the benefits of trials and getting to see how your dog uh works and places and stacks up like what just what are some of your thoughts on that
1: yeah for me at that point trials were just an extension of the hunting season mm-hmm. right so um, hunting season's over but hey guess what every weekend I can go to a trial and still hunt my dog and it's fun it's a great environment it, and that is what it was an extension of the hunting season That philosophy completely changed as I moved to Springfield, Mm -hmm. right? So Sydney, Nebraska hunting every day before work, you know, at lunch, um, certainly hunting was his priority down here. Not a lot of hunting opportunities. I mean, there's some quail, but there's really not, it's not really worth going after. Um, but now it is that training trials or my mind frame is kind of shifted towards that,
0: you sure. know,
1: that the question.
0: Yeah. 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 Kind of, um, what do you, just to kind of take it a step further? Uh, so like with trials, um, uh, like what, what is that you see in it that, uh, okay. I guess the competitive side of it, like you see how you're like, there's good dogs and there's dogs that are okay. Like, are you starting to see that difference where you can see dogs that stand out and does that transition well to good hunting dogs as well?
1: Yeah. It, So yes, there are dogs that stand out in the hunting or the trial world for sure. You know, names you're, you know, when I was just getting into the adult stakes, I look at the the bracing sheets and it's like GFC, FC, AFC. And it's just like, you look at all these titles of these field champions and it's like, how am I ever going to get there when I'm competing against these guys? Right. But with that being said, it's all about the timing too. Right. Those dogs start to slow down, transition out. The younger dogs start to come in. And then the three, four, five-year-old, you know, seem to, to shine a lot of times, right? With that being said, there was a lot of really nice older dogs this year that have done extremely well, but yes, it seems like every trial you go to those is there's 40 dogs in it. Those 10 are the ones you're really watching as others are learning and some are transitioning out. Yeah. Now, with your are part with the, the hunting side of it transitioning. Yeah.
0: Into- yeah. I guess just to clarify. So yeah, exactly. I think I know where you're going, but, um, so dogs that are the exceptional ones that you see in the trial side, are they also exceptional in the hunting field? I guess that's where I'm getting. That's a great.
1: Um, so the answer to that is a lot of times they are, I feel a lot of times most times these dogs know the difference between your handler being on a horse Mm. with a blank pistol on his hip versus a handler being on the ground with a shotgun in his hand. Mm. Um, Most dogs will see that, understand that, um, know that you're not moving at a faster clip like a horse would, and they, and they do shorten up. Right. So you get these bigger running all age dogs and they are, you are able to handle them for the most part in the hunting sure. field as
0: well. Is sure. I, uh, yeah. Cause that's something I hear once in a while is, is someone will say, oh, you have this big running dog and some guys will be like, oh, they could never be a good, you know, bird dog, you know, hunting, but it's like, I, I I've heard Jeff say it, kind of what you're saying is, is all of his dogs. He's seen a lot of the really good ones. The smart ones figure out how to transition well between the two. Yeah. They it's do. Really, that's really cool.
1: It's really cool to you too. Um, you blow that whistle, you know, and you're on the horseback. that dog just takes off, you know, yeah. you shut that car door that dog you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty cool to see it's,
0: it's those cues um talk, you uh, touched on this a little bit ago but just when you were kind of first getting into the trial game i think you you might have used the word intimidated a little bit when you were you're were getting into it um, talk about that a little bit because that's definitely something i have felt um, gauge is almost four now and you know i've been invited to some trials just to come watch or check them out um, I've even been a little intimidated, you know, going into it. Um, now this year has kind of changed for me where I'm, I'm getting more comfortable. I went to an AKC hunt test, so I have a taste of it, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that want to try a trial or want to go see one. Uh, just talk about that, that, intimidation that you, you kind of felt and how'd you overcome that?
1: I'm, I'm really glad you asked that question because if I was going to do it over, I would have done it completely different. Or if I knew what I know now, I would have done it different. Um the the Brittany community I have found is so welcoming and wanting to help the newcomers 100%. I've been to different a lot of trials. I've been to a lot of different, you know, I've seen how different clubs are being run. Um, I was a part of the Skyline Brittany Club in Colorado and they open, I mean, it's like open arms, right? They welcome, and they and and the thing is, we need to be doing that too, just because of of the lack of youth in the in the trial and the trials, right? So, um, but for the most part, the Brittany community is is an amazing community. You know, so much so that Skyline Club, yeah. I consider it like family. You know, yeah. it was that welcoming, and if I knew that, I mean, it would so what I enter my dog and what's going to happen? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, like you're going to pick up your dog or, you know, he's not going to get around or whatever. Right. But, um, there is absolutely nothing to be intimidated about, but I, I can see, and I was right. When you stroll up and you see these strings of 20, 30 dogs and you see these, you know, $200,000 horse trailers. And these it's like, they had to start somewhere too. Right. Sure. And, um, I have every reason to be here with my one dog than, than they do as well. They're not, they're no, no different. And, and guess what? Those guys and ladies are the nicest people in the world and they will help you out as well. You know? Um, so yeah. That's so if you're if, you're, if anybody's really even good. thinking about it, if anybody's even thinking about it, go to a trial, don't even enter your dogs go to a trial and just wait. Like for the most part, again, wait to see how you know welcome you feel at these things and how how much fun you have and um
0: yeah just- we, my my family and I I just took all the kids uh last Saturday to the uh Brittany Fun Day through the Skyline Club and yeah. um super nice like that was the first time the whole family came and uh, kids were running around and you know seeing dogs and uh, yeah. I agree the more I the more I invest and just go to those kind of things the more I same same deal my level of comfort and the acceptance. And it's like, Oh, these people are amazing. Why didn't I do this? <laughs> Engage as a puppy, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like I said, they're like family, you know, and I, uh, I've been out here for, um, you know, four years now, but I still talk to, I mean, there's a number of people in that club. I still talk to, on a bi-weekly, monthly basis, whatever it is, weekly basis, you know, and, and talk dogs and, and it's just great.
0: Why do you think, uh, you, you referenced kind of like, uh, this, this trial game is getting older and not getting younger. Why, why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's certainly an older person's game. I feel when, you know, I was by far the youngest at nationals the last couple of years in Boonville. Um, I think it has a few things. It is a little bit pricey more expensive sport right to a degree there's there are ways where you can still you know but 50 dollar entry fees you know um you may have to rent a horse type of thing so it's a little bit pricier um you know i think it takes a little bit of time like a lot of youth probably aren't wanting to spend the time that takes to, to train a trial dog and do it right i think there's a lot of distractions in this world right now with sports and um you know, different things happening, activities. Um, I think that, um, y- you know, there, yeah, yeah. It's just, I think there's, there's opportunities to communicate, like what you're doing today and how fun these trials are and what, how great they are. And, 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 um, um, but also, you know, I'm in the outdoor industry, like I said, working for Bass Pro Shops Cabela's And there's this movement out there called the R3 movement. And it stands for, um, let's see if I get this right. Um, recruiting, reactivation and retention somewhere in that order. Sounds sounds about right. Yeah. And, and we talk about it here as well. Not just, obviously it's not just it's for the outdoor industry as a whole, but we feel that recruiting is the number one way to get people involved in the, in the outdoors. Mm. Right. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to, to get people to recruit, you know, yeah. get people involved in the, in the Brittany world, just like Jeff does, right? Like he's yeah. how many people has he's taken under his wing. And there's a lot of people that do take people under their wing too, but, um, yeah. I think there's more that could happen.
0: And, and when you say recruiting, cause I mean, there might be some people out there that think, Oh, I don't want to be recruited for something, <laughs> but it, I, work, I think you, I think you and I, yeah. I think you and I are, are kind of thinking, giving them an experience, whether that might be inviting them to a trial, letting them experience it, inviting them on a hunt, letting them experience it. At least in my mind, that's kind of how I view as recruiting and let the dogs, let the experience of the hunt and the beauty of, of where you're at kind of do the recruiting. Right.
1: Yeah. The word we use is mentoring. Right. So taking somebody under the wing and, and, and taking them with you is yeah. in, um, you know, you're a newbie, right. And you, but you're not too, you know, you could start taking people underneath your wing. Right. And, yeah. and just try to do exactly. that. Exactly. If we, if we all just took one person to a trial this year, that's new, you know, how much bigger that <laughs> the it would grow, you know, huge. In couple of years. Um, right. So if you, t- it, it would, it would double obviously, you know, yeah. um, every year. So um, there's sort of certainly opportunities and uh, that is something that you know, there's a website you can look into that r3 movement and you might get some ideas on how to get some more people
0: definitely uh you might i want to get back to a couple more things with trials but you might be asking what do you do for uh best pro currently
1: so um through my career i've been in you know in the art side of the business the marketing side of the business so i've been an art director at sierra trading post um i worked with their video department there as well Um, At Cabela's, I was that marketing manager for Outdoor Ventures, which was a a great opportunity. Um, From there, um, I was the brand manager for Cabela's. So if you're familiar with the brand, you may have seen um, campaigns like It's In Your Nature campaign. There was TV commercial and all the signage and things like that. So I was managing um, brand campaigns um, from the marketing creative side, working with um, larger agencies and then I'm doing something similar here at Bass Pro Shops. Um, Cabela's, they're with one brand. Here at Bass Pro, we have, what, 20, 30 different brands. So That's managing right. all house brands and what they, okay, they how we communicate mm-hmm. with customers. So.
0: That's awesome. I, I got to ask, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there any future plans for more uh, Upland-inspired <laughs> things with Cabela's or Bass Pro? Or is, is it big game and fishing kind of the big, the big thing?
1: No, Upland is... Uh, you know, Upland... It is a smaller category for us, but it's certainly a category that we're passionate about, I feel. Um, it's not going away by any means. Um, there are markets that perform a lot better than others, obviously, you know, so they might get a little bit more upland love than others, um, but it's certainly not going away. We, um, you know, the, there's a few uh, newer products coming out uh, at the Instinct line of products, the Cabela's Instinct line, okay. uh, higher and upland products coming out too. Um, to check out, but, um, but yeah, certainly not going away. I'm, I'm trying to be in the process of, um, trying to line up some photography shoots and getting content and really pushing that up game a little bit more this fall.
0: As well. Very cool. So, that's exciting. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. Hey, what, so what were you looking for? So after your first dog, you were looking to pick up your second Um, so that, that second go around, I'm always curious to ask people this, that second try, you know, second dog you're picking up, what did you know differently going into that experience? And like, what kind of questions were you asking in the kind of dog you wanted?
1: Yeah. Great question. So I knew that I was going at that point, I knew I was going to get in the trials, right? It's kind of harder to, harder to get into trials. I feel at a, you know, people might debate me on this with a, a four or five year old dog. It's kind of harder to, to just jump into it. Um, at that point, I knew that dog was going to be a hunting dog and I did want to get a trial dog. I was ready for it. Um, I knew what I was getting into. Um, and I was ready for that. Now, you know, some of the decisions you have to look at obviously pedigrees, um, what dog is for you? Do you want an all age dog? Do you want a shooting dog? Um, you know, so, that's kind of what i was looking at and and to be honest with you i, I just relied on jeff you know a lot um with that uh Snixo line that he has to, to get me a, a good all-around dog and now it was a hank dog hank is um you know he he transitioned from a shooting dog to an all-age dog so didn't know quite it could have went either way right mm-hmm. i could have gotten a uh, a shooting dog or an all-age dog I, I feel out of hank and um, but more than likely if i was if we're going to pick out one of the, the, you know, number one or number two there, which I, 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 Jeff gave me that opportunity to pick out, you know, the, the top dog or the top male dog there. Um, more likely it was going to be a, a bigger running all age stock, but you never know at eight weeks, you know? So,
0: sure.
1: um, that was kind of it, you know? Yeah.
0: I, uh, and then, uh, I was also going to get, every time I talk to Jeff, he's like, have you, have you heard about what, uh, what, hatches one recently i'm like no he's like he just went on a tear this i guess this year he, he had a really big just string of wins why don't you talk a little bit about what is what did he accomplish this year
1: yeah so hatch you know certain dogs i feel mature at different times or the light bulb goes on at different times hatch may have been not you know it may have taken him just a little bit longer maybe six months longer than other dogs right um but I'll tell you when that light bulb went on, it went on. And he just started, you know, bang, bang, bang. It really started last fall. Um, I was running Hatch both in all age and gun dog stakes.
0: Real quick, how how old is Hatch currently?
1: He is he just turned five at okay. that time. He was four. So, you know, seven months ago or whatever it was, <clears throat> I was running kind of both things. And he had some placements. He had a runner up. Uh, in a championship down in Michigan. He had a, a few other uh, placements. Um, at that point, I don't even know if he had any points though, towards his adult stakes. He had some placements though, and some good placements. So he was knocking on the door. And then it started last fall. He had a couple of really nice runs, a couple of placements. He went to the quail classic, which is an all age, you know, 45 dog stake, you know, and he came to third um, and put a really good performance on it. And that was right before national. So he had a couple placements. He did really nice job in um the Quail Classic, which is a really competitive all-age um um uh, stake down here at Grove Springs. And then he went into the nationals. And <laughs> this is a so bear move me to this one. So went into nationals, Bob was running him, my pro in, in and all age and uh the um the the gun dog stakes down there and and he ran well, but just not enough to, to do anything. Um, and then, um, but I was feeling really good about his performance. I know Bob was feeling good about his performance too. Um, he's had a couple of bad breaks. Well, the day I was supposed to leave for national so I can run him in the amateur gun dog steak. I lost my sense of taste and smell. Oh no. <laughs> the day I was leaving
0: oh. and
1: I said, Oh boy, I better get this checked out. Cause you know, yeah gotta be safe. Older people down there don't want to do anything wrong. It's close quarters, stuff like that. So I go get checked, find a rapid test. And of course I got COVID. Oh no, so you gotta be kidding me. This is the one, this is a championship. You know, this is nationals, yeah. right? Like devastated. Um, but what am I going to do? So I made a couple phone calls, um, and I was able to line up a handler form for hatch to, for my place. Um, uh, his name was Joe drool. Very good guy in the hunting Brittany industry as well. It does both show and field trials. Um, unbelievable guy, great guy. I asked him if he could handle my dog. And he goes, Yep, no problem at all. And I know Joe, you know, fairly well from from Bob and everything like that. But I never knew he'd never handled the dog in an hour before. I'm like, yeah. oh my So hatch ran the nationals, put put one down, you know, just did an awesome job. He called me all excited and his wife texted me, Don. She goes. This might be a good time to tell you that he's never handled a dog at an hour-long stake before, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were laughing. <laughs> and then um, he ended up coming. He ended up being runner-up at nationals this last year. Okay. So what a huge accomplishment! Everybody's excited about it. Yes. Yeah, and, and then it just started going from there, right? So, I mean, what did he win this year? He 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 finished. So he didn't have. He might have had. He might have had a, a point or two, but he finished within a week. I mean, it was just like, you know, 30 minute win, all age, 30 minute gun dog, all you know, uh win. Um, oh, then he ran in the Ed Powell, which is a, a really nice, prestigious um, you know, championship in Iowa, won that. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? And then he goes out and wins the ABC classic.
0: And oh, it's geez. like, what the heck is going <laughs> So on? all you just know? kind of just started to string together at that point. So, so with no points. Hatch became a field champion and a
1: grand field champion in two weeks. Oh my gosh. Crazy unheard of. So so
0: (laughs) no, that's okay. Well, I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what all that means, but I want to get into that a little bit. Um, So explain the point system a little bit more. So you referenced like if they have enough points, like how does that just, how does that system work as far as like gaining points that stay with their name? And like, just explain that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, I'll do the best as I can again, been in the, in, been in this nine years, still don't know everything. Right. So if there's a certain amount of dogs that are entered into that stake and your dog wins, you get so many points. Right. I think it's, and I, it's, it's a little confusing between amateur and opens and things like that, but it's like, you know, if there's over, if there's 13 dogs or more, you will get, you know, for a win, you get two points. Um, if you know, I'm not even gonna get into the numbers. So I don't know, um, but then you know, um, and then you have to win a major, so you do have to win, um, you know, a larger uh, stake, um, and then your dog, you have to get ten points to become a, a field champion, right? And then okay. grand field champion, you have to have two hour long wins after your dog is a field champion to become a grand field. Champion.
0: Okay, and have, so- have
1: two hour long wins in like five days.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, so backing up a tiny bit. So with the point thing, so a dog necessarily, do they only get points if they place first? Um, or can they still gain, say he was runner up in a, in a stake. Would he get just less points? And if, if you accumulate 10, then you become a field champion
1: in amateur Amateur, i'm just using rough rough again again, i don't know i don't know i gotta go look at it because it is a little confusing um in the amateur stakes you can get points for coming in second you know runner-up if there was over a certain amount of dogs right uh it actually in amateur stakes it is like over 13 dogs i think first place gets what two or three points and the amateur gets a point or two or something like that so again this is showing my yeah no that's
0: that's okay because it it is and that that might go back to one of the quote-unquote intimidation factors is it is just a little confusing i think being brand new you have a new dog you want to get into it um there's a lot of different terms and so i interrupt your listening enjoyment for some technical difficulties um we had to uh pick up this conversation in two parts and so second half is coming up here sorry if this transition is not great, but it's the best I could do. Enjoy pocket. So it's kind of wow. interesting to see.
1: Well, it's really good to see though, too, especially with that whole R3 thing I was talking about with getting more people involved in the younger generation and things like that
0: too. Yeah, absolutely. It has Cabela's, Have they, are they pretty active in that R3 movement thing and trying to engage a not just upland, but hunters in general?
1: You know, I know that there was some discussions back in the day I'm not sure there's, I'm not, I'm to be honest with you. I don't know. Okay, I don't want to necessarily go there. (laughs) I I don't know the answer. I don't want to say.
0: Sure. 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 They're like, uh, Adam, what did you, what did you say?
1: Yeah. But I know it's a, it's a big movement in the outdoor industry for sure. And people are paying attention to it and it it falls right into place with field trials too. It all comes down, like I said, to that mentoring. And that's how I got involved from a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm a firm believer of surrounding myself with good people and good things happen. And there's a lot of good people in the Brittany world. So a lot of good things happen. <laughs> and that's it for me, you know, and between, uh, you know, like I said, Keith and Kevin and, and Jeff and then Bob, um, who is, who is my pro, but also he's not just a pro. He is not just in it to make money. He's really, he has the best interests of it, the dogs and his clients too. So he's done a lot of teaching and, you know, I don't know if you're going to answer this question or ask this question later on or not, but I've, I've, I've been around some people now that I consider mentors that have taught me a lot. But the thing too, is out of these four, or five, six people, some of their training could be like is so far apart from each other and how they go about doing it. That is super interesting as well. So the more people you can surround yourself with the more, the good people you can surround yourself with, the more things you learn. And I think your training technique kind of comes into play too. Like, oh, I really like how that guy handles a dog. Or I like how that guy, you know, does his breaking process. Or I like how that guy does, you know, that. And I think you can come up with your own solutions too, but it's hilarious between, you know, even Jeff that, you know, um, and and his good friend, Bob, right? Like there are some things that, that are, that are totally different,
0: but yet they're, they're both trying to get the same result. They're so they're both extreme. They're both right. Yeah. Uh, That's not, that's, that's interesting. uh, Yeah. That's the interesting thing uh, just in the dog world in general training and all that, like, Someone told me this a while back. Like, there are so many different ways. Just for example, to break a dog, there's so many different ways to teach recall and can. Like, oh, there's so many different ways to get the same result. Maybe some are maybe more effective than others, but they're also very similar too.
1: Correct. And you got to look at what's best for you, what's best for the dog. More more importantly, what's best for the dog. Um, right. you got to look at how much time you have versus other people. You know, and yeah. um, but ultimately. I
0: I think you you said an important part there. You got to do also what's best for us as the the handler and trainer, because if we don't understand it completely, it's not going to be effective and it's going to probably cause more problems. And so I was, I was kind of researching some different, uh, breaking process techniques. I was reading about different methods and all this. Um, but until I saw, so Jeff's been working with me to, uh, get gauge broke and until I saw it in hand or like firsthand, then things started to click for me. I'm like, Oh, that, that makes much more sense than reading it. And so sometimes mm. seeing things or experiencing it for yourself can a light bulb for me went off and, and going, Oh, that, that makes sense now. But he, and he encourages me too. To, he's like, Hey, there's this trainer 10 minutes for me. Go, go watch him work dog, see how he does this and just compare notes. And I think that's a sign yeah. of a good, good mentor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good good ideas out there. And there's a lot of different, like you said, people do it so different, you know, <laughs> um, I wanted to jump in on one thing you said there. I can't, I can't think of what it was. Um, yeah.
0: Can't think of okay. it. Back. Back. Yeah. Yep. It'll come back. Um, you no know, mentors are, are key. And I think getting into hunting or trial, whatever side it is, whatever kind of hunting it is too. I mean, anyone listening to this, whether they love big game or whatever it is, like, I think a mentor, is uh, can play a huge part because, um, I didn't have that for, for quite a while, maybe, um, getting into hunting. I was super nervous. I still am to some degree in some things, cause I'm not an expert. I am still learning, but, um, I think it can kind of help shorten that, uh, that learning curve for people.
1: Exactly. You just have to have the courage to, to ask, right? like go to a field trial and ask and they are going to be more than willing to help you. I mean, it's just, I wish I just knew that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's so many things that went through my brain. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Is my dog going to be good? Is it going to compete? You know? And it's like, yeah. you know what? Your dog is not going to be the worst dog there. It's going to compete. Yeah. You're going to learn, you know, I just wish I would have wanted
0: when, you know, and, and let's kind of boil it down. I mean, you're also there to have fun too. To be honest, like like you said in the beginning, yeah. you you kind of started this going down this route pretty heavy, just to extend your season and kind of you know work with your dog more. And so, it, really, it's about kind of having fun and enjoying it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and every dog has its day, right? It's just that saying. And you know, I don't know how many trials I've been to where I was competing against some, you know, national champions, Grand Field champions, right? And it's like. Wow, the conditions were changed there. None of those dogs got around clean, you know, or hey, it got pretty hot during the middle of the day. My dog runs first thing tomorrow morning, you know, and you get these breaks and you find out, hey, I won that one. Probably shouldn't have. (laughs) I just kind of caught a bad, you know, a, a good break. So, yeah. You know you might not you might have a young dog or you're new to it it's like yeah hey you're Like, man I've seen it times you know so.
0: um this I just thought of this actually while you're talking I might make this kind of a standard question in the podcast uh, when I'm talking to, to people but what what makes your dog special what makes hatch uh, special and give me give me some of his like best qualities that you really enjoy and really make him special but what are maybe one or two things that you know, he's kind of still maybe working on or maybe some quirks that he has
1: yeah I like that question too. And everybody has the, the best dog, right? Oh, I mean, I have <laughs> the best dog,
0: no, no doubt. <laughs>
1: bats, right? So I guess the things that stand out with Hatch is that, I mean, he's got, every dog has positive traits and negative traits. And that all goes back into the breeding. And then what I'm going to, you know, we're breeding um, this bitch back from Ohio right now, like looking at traits and things like that. Um, so there's always pros and cons, but, the thing with my dog is I see it as a pro. Some people see it as a con. My dog, Patch is huge. If anybody knows he is Hank Patch, he is a very big Brittany. And I, I like that. I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, he's athletic. Um, there's speed involved. So you got that speed from Hank for sure. He's got his athleticism from Hank for sure. You know, he's got size from his mom's side there, um, um, So we've got the size and speed that I like in a trial dog.
0: And when you say big, you, you're talking about tall. He's a tall dog, right? Yeah, he's tall. He's he's probably I don't know, fifty-five,
1: fifty-six pounds tall. I don't, you know, I don't know the the measuring process sure. of, of the dogs. What twenty? I don't know. I'd be guessing twenty-two, twenty-three inches. Whatever. I mean, he's big, Brittany. Sure. By far, he's always, yeah. I always get a lot of comments on that. I, but I, saw, that's also I, saw, yeah.
0: I saw him up on uh sorry, a recent post you made. I think of, of kind of this, a spring post of his, what he won and he's at, at the blue ribbon, uh, stat you stacking him up and he's just yep. towering over <laughs> the other two dots. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, he is, he is lengthy.
1: That's also a negative too, If people are, you know, a lot of people are, are chasing the dual championships too. So that might be negative towards. Mm-hmm you know, individuals chasing the, the dual, which is very popular. Okay. Um, other, you know, the, the thing that I hatch is Bob Burchat, my pro does, did such a, does such a fabulous job at breaking dogs the right way. And the right way, I'm, what I'm trying to say is he's very patient with doing it. Mm. Hatch's personality is, is hilarious to me. He, he, you know, with Bob doing such a phenomenal job at breaking him, you know, sometimes you see dogs get a little, you know, they cower a little bit or the breaking process is a little tough on him, you know, that dog, even though, you know, and it is a tough process sometimes on dogs going through the breaking process, you know, but Bob does it such a well, such a good job that, you know, hatch loves that dude, you know, he he jumps up on him it's like you know, you don't see that with every pro going through the breaking process too. That's good, so that's a good point. he um, has got a great personality. He leaves everything, um, on the field. When I say that is when he was on the stakeout chain, I mean, he is the calmest dog there is. Mm. He just, I mean, there's, he's, he's extremely calm, um, which was a great trade for him. But aside from that, from a gun dog standpoint, um, you, you know, like I said, fast, stylish, ex, uh, um, he finds birds. He, he's a you know he's running an all age right now, and a lot of times all age dogs, um, you know, the, it's a different type of race, right? So you got the, the gun dog shooting dog that you know hit objectives, find birds. You know, not saying they count birds, but you got to find a couple birds. All age dogs want to range, not find. You know, you don't have to find as many birds. Well, I know that he's going to come up with one bird at least in a, in a in a half hour stick. He always finds birds, which mm-hmm. is a good you don't see that all the time, but even in the, the heat of the day, he, he will dig one up. So that's good. Um, he's very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, in the all age, sometimes you see dogs, that get lost, you know, um, or, um, there's some inconsistencies there. He's very, he's always been very consistent stays out in front. He's going to find a bird. He's going to finish. Now, is it going to be the biggest running race? maybe maybe not depending on the day you know but he's all and that's why he's been winning i think is because i know he's gonna get across the finish line and i know he's gonna have a bird i know he's gonna be stylish when he has that find i know he's gonna stay broke other dogs like i said that might have more titles and more experience well guess what they accidentally bumped a bird or their bracemate did something that messed them up or hey maybe they got lost you know and but that hatch is still, he's always crossed that finish line, you know, so it's awesome. Um, but yeah, there's that, but there's some negatives too, right? Like I, sure. I, uh, I think he was a little late to mature.
0: Um, yeah. Cause you said you didn't really start until he was what four then? Well, Get, running trials pretty hard.
1: Yeah. So two, you know, at the age of two, I had him with Bob, we ran him that fall. I think I don't, I think we got him around just, you know, a couple times clean, you know, and it's, that's expected. And then next year he had a couple of placements, but he really didn't get going. That light didn't turn on until he was four, you know, and um, you know, there's other dogs that finish earlier than that. I'm not, I'm not complaining by any means, my goodness, but, you know, but I did, I did think that he looked young. For a little bit longer than other dogs look like young Okay. same, so um, if that I, was good product, that I could have been
0: yeah, you know. well, that gives me hope gage uh, he'll turn four in August, so that that gives me some hope that it's, it's not just a yeah. young dogs' game, <laughs> yeah, again, young's a relative term, but
1: and like I said, like I think some people quit underdogs a little early, but you know if they're not winning or doing that, and um you know. He didn't, his light didn't really turn out for him until he was four, you know? Sure. So stick with it and, yeah. uh, definitely good, the light switch could go. So
0: that's cool. Hey, as we've, we've touched on this actually multiple times already. I wanted to ask you again, I know, I know you're not the expert in this, but can you explain some of the, the field trial terms we've talked about, um, der- so Derby puppy, open stakes, gun dog an amateur, can you just briefly explain kind of like some of those big terms that uh, people might hear?
1: Sure. And to be honest, I'll do my best. I, you know, sometimes I get confused with these dates and, and, and sure. how many and years and all that stuff too. But um, puppy will obviously be the first when you, you, you enter your dog in um, you can enter them as, you know, I, I wouldn't get them any earlier than six months. Right. But sure. you can them as early as you want there. Um, there is no, Blank pistols and there's no birds on the course typically, okay. um, the puppy stake. um, you know, now you're going to find, you're going to find horseback. You're going to find the walking, but no birds you, and all you're looking for is that puppy drive, you know, um, is it, is it thinking like a bird dog should think, is it hitting objectives? Does it have some drive? Is it motivated to get out there and, and run hard? Um, that's all they're looking for. Okay. Um, Derby stakes, you can run these up until two years old. There are birds introduced and the dog must, um, point a bird in, in those stakes. Now, I'm not sure if that's the case for American field. I think that's the case for AKC, right? So you have to, you have to have bird contact for the most part, um, so that, and then you know same standards go there. dog finds a bird does not have to stay broke. you do have you know you do have to shoot your blank pistol for it to count um, but the dog certainly does not have to stay broke now, okay. with that being said, there are people out there that think that it is best to have a broke dog in the derby stakes, oh really because, because bad habits can happen huh. when your dog is chasing that bird, could catch the bird, you know, sure. could take steps backwards. So there are people that think that your dog should be broke or very close to being broke to run in Derby. There are people that say, get in and get out, get in the win. And then be done with it. Don't develop any bad habits in the Derby, you know, or there are people that say, more time on the ground is the best for my dog and that's what I'm going to do. So right. that's just a decision you'll have to make at that point. Um, yeah. Okay. If I know what your mentor is going to say, so, <laughs> um, so you will probably be getting in and getting out. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yes. That's, um, what he, that's what he told that. me on the, uh, I did an AKC hunt test. Um, yeah. never did, never did one. I signed up for junior. Cause I, I thought you had to go through all junior to get the senior. And, uh, I, I just did the one event and, uh, I, called him right after like, Hey, you know, we passed. I was all excited. He's like, that's great. Don't do it again. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Like, Don't oh. develop it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Get your points and get out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's in Derby. Then, then at the age of two, you're going to go through the breaking process and, um, your dog, you know, you'll know at that time, but your dog can run in either gun dog stakes, shooting dog stakes, right. Or it can run in all age or it can run in both. Right. My dog actually ran in both until he got it figured out. Um, it was kind of a tweener, right? Um, okay. so dog stakes, the dog is going to be a shorter running dog. It's going to be more of a gun dog, bird dog. It's going to hit more objectives. It's going to most likely find more birds. Um, and it's going to be a shorter running dog.
0: So gun dog Short stakes gun dog. is walking.
1: No, is that cool. is just a shorter running. Okay. More bird finding type of dog.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, so that can be um, on horseback then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there'll be, you know, there'll be a uh, gundog um, horseback, AKC horseback. There'll be walking trials you could go to. Gotcha. Uh, there are limited, you know, gundog limited stakes, which means you have to want a gundog stake to be in the limited other, another stake that they can run. <laughs> in it. Um. So gundog. Yeah. So if your dog is a little bit shorter running, which I haven't seen gauge run out of Hank, it could go either way. probably, um, he'll either be a gun dog or an all dog and all dog now is a dog that runs huge, right. Okay. You put that down dog on the ground, that dog is going to run, um, three, four, five, six, <laughs> thousand yards, whatever it is out in front. <laughs> okay. You may not see it for the hour, half an hour, hour, very much. Right. Yeah. Um, which is a good thing, but you have to be able to handle your dog. You need you to know where he's at. Okay. Um, you do need to have you see glimpses of him, um, he can't get lost, but it's all about speed, power, range, um, and the all age stake.
0: Okay. How, how would you personally with Hatch, how would you transition to him? Because you said he ran in both, so that's sh- more shorter working gun dog and then the all age. How, how do you kind of transition back and forth, or, or how would you develop yeah. him to, to bring him closer or further?
1: You know, I think that there are some bigger running gun dogs out there, and I think there's some shorter running all age dogs. <laughs> And he was kind of in that standpoint, I think as he was maturing, um, as they get more confidence, as they understand it, then they, you know, then they start ranging further. I, and that's what happened. I mean, that's how I feel. That's what happened with hatch. So, um, and then also I wanted to get him as much time on the ground as possible too just to work out these kinks cuz he was a little bit slower learner like I said okay. and we ran him in both just to get him you know but I also had a lot of braces where he might not have gotten around clean or he had some hiccups right so more time on the ground definitely helps and more time on the ground at these trial grounds too they get more familiar with the grounds as well mm-hmm. um so first year, two and three year old, I had them running in both. And then um depending on to the location of the trial grounds and, and how it was and how thick they are and how or how wide open they are, determine some of that as well. Um you know if the grounds were a little bit tighter, I would probably put them in just an all-age, you know, rather than a gun dog, because the gun dog courses would be on tighter courses. So <clears throat> um so that's, uh,
0: gotcha. That's awesome. You kind of
1: kind of feel it out, you know, but there'll be a time where it's like, yeah, I, you know, half hour brace. I only seen that dog for five minutes. Yeah. He <laughs> ain't a gun dog, you know, yeah. and that ain't, that ain't working anymore. And that's kind of where I'm at now with him. He's kind of transitioning out of that gun dog to, to that all age dog. Cause he's okay. just get he's just getting more confidence. He's getting, you know, he's ranging out more, he's getting more speed. He's understanding these courses now that we've run them. Okay.
0: Are are they able to use, so if he's ranging out that far, I mean, five, 600 yards, are, are they running, are they allowed to use GPS collars that just, so if you know he's on point or is it just, you have to ha- keep an eye on him?
1: No. So GPS collars, I strongly agree of putting on any trial dog, gun dog or shooting dog. Um. However, the collar is turned on, but the receiver is turned off. The mm-hmm. remote is turned off unless you, and it. so when you go to the trial, you put a lot of times you put the GPS color on your dog. And then you also put like a flash color down on your dog to understand, you know, my dog versus the other dog. Cause a lot of Britneys look alike. <laughs> um, and then at that time you offer your GPS to the judge, the judge it ha- most of the time they say just hold on to a kid turn it off don't you know don't don't look at it right sure. or sometimes they'll take them but you always want to offer it to the judge that's at least what i do sure. um and then if you get in a situation where you are running you know your dog is running big or you can't find them, or it's been you know 10 minutes um a lot of times at that point you make the decision or sometimes the judge will even make the decision most sure. times it's you make the says okay um let's pull that tracking collar would
0: would you get docked points for that
1: yeah your 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 dog is dq'd you're picked up oh if you so if you don't
0: know where your dog is and you have to make that call
1: you are not allowed to look at your gps collar at all in a trial gotcha Okay. Um, the only time you're looking at your GPS collar is if your dog is lost and that's not a good thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're, you're done. <laughs> take, take yeah. the dog. So,
1: and I've uh, been, you know, like I said, hatch has been pretty consistent, but I've been, you know, even I have had uh, Jeff judging me where I had to pull my, my collar one time and that was really rare. I, you know, a lot of times I don't have to resort to that. Yeah. Uh, I, I have, um, I normally have a very, you know, I have very good scouts, um, that help me out. That don't lose him. He's a bigger dog, so it's easier <laughs> not to lose him. That helps. And that he he does check in and, and he knows where I'm at. So, um, but there will be times, you know. And the worst, the part that stinks though, is when you have to pull your your GPS. Your dog's standing there on point. You know, it's like mm. I missed <laughs> him. He's doing everything right. Sure. We had this thing one, and say at 55 minutes of the hour, you know he just he, he's gone you haven't yeah. seen him in 10 minutes or whatever 12, 15 minutes whatever and and you might even finish the hour but you, yeah. you you can't present him at the end you have to present your dog to the judges at the end of the, the oh, time so you'd have to pull it out yeah. regardless and you can't present your dog you know you have to pull it out and, and check to see where he's at obviously and if he's standing there 500 <laughs> yards behind your point it's heartbreaking when he hasn't won you know so that's that's brutal. When I've been there, it's, it's tough, but that's just, that's the thing with trialing, you know? And like I said, there's been some trials where my dog should not have won because of stuff like that. That might've happened to a sure national champion yes. or whatever like that, but it's just luck,
0: you know? <laughs> Definitely. Have luck you, uh, oh, for sure. That, that plays a part into it for sure. Um, have you tried any, any other of the, I guess, competition arenas like, uh, NAVDA, uh, Nastra, anything like that? Or I have not. Okay.
1: I personally have not. I've heard good things. I probably should look into it, but I, I just really haven't.
0: Yeah. Well, so, sometimes too, when you're when you're deep in one thing, it's hard to mentally, you know, if you're if you're going down that path, it's kind of hard to to switch sometimes, yeah. but or or dabble in both, that can be even harder.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's probably good for the dog to dabble in both, in my opinion. I know Keith Richardson did. that here Training Post with all the short hairs and oh, okay. yeah he, he did. So,
0: Very it's nice. probably not a
1: bad thing, you know.
0: So, yeah. So when, when did, so we've talked about Bob quite a bit. So he's that, the trainer out of, he's in Missouri, right? Yeah. Okay. Is he he primarily a Brittany guy or is he just training all, all sorts of dogs? And and what's kind of his, his method of training? Is it Hickox method, Smith method, something different? You know, so
1: Bob, yeah, Bob's located in Conway, Missouri. He's primarily Brittany's, (laughs) but he does have a few dogs in his kennel that people want to get fine-tuned that are not in the trials. You know, when Bobby goes to trials, it's Brittany's only, but that doesn't mean he won't take on another dog to fine-tune over the summer, right. For, uh, for hunters. Um, but 95% of the dog in his kennels are Brittany's. Um, his method, I, I, I don't know typically like who he follows or his method. It's probably just his own method, but he is an extremely patient dog handler, which is extremely important, I feel. Sure. So he's very patient. He works extremely hard. I mean, the days start at six o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, you know, and they don't end until nine o'clock at night. It's, it's crazy how hard these guys work. Yeah. Um, and the dogs do get a lot of time on the ground. And that is why he can be patient because if a dog has a bad day, you know what, we're going to have this dog back out there two days from now. And he's going to try it again. Mm -hmm. Right. And it is patient repetition, repetition that makes his program so successful. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: that's, that's really what that's huge. I mean, to to have someone that, um, I mean, that's putting in hard work. I mean, that's huge, but also the, the patience level I think is, is even more important, because like you yep. said uh, everyone every dog is going to have a bad day or two or three and to have someone that can kind of work through that be patient I and mean, alright we're going to come back at it and give it another crack is is huge
1: yeah and that's and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that every trainer every yeah person that breaks a dog is different because sometimes <coughs> people might not have as much time or they just have the weekends or they don't have access to you know 200 acres or 10,000 acres or whatever it is, or they don't have access to, you know, getting their hands on 500 quail or whatever. So the, it's a, it can be extremely different, right? The, the process and it just works for Bob with, he's got the grounds 10 minutes from his house. He's got access to thousands of quail a year. Um, he's in an environment where those quail can live hmm. and thrive. Um and it it it's just he's got a good thing going with the patient yeah repetition training now you that's, know that's awesome it's where you have that so.
0: yeah um did after after Hatch kind of had his, his tear here the last you know year or so did you get a lot of uh, offers for litters
1: <laughs> you know it's I think a lot of people think, "Oh, yeah, your dog's doing good." He's gonna your phone start start ringing, and it's not necessarily the case, okay. right? Uh, <laughs> yes, my phone has ring. I got a bitch right now that we're breeding into. Um, is it ringing every single week? No, you know. <laughs> am I get three or four litters this year, maybe. Yeah. You know, type of deal. You can be, honest. You can so, be
0: honest, Adam. Come on, it's okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, but um, but I, I think that's. I mean, there's dogs out there that are grand field champions, field champions. I've never been bred to, mm-hmm. right. It's just, you know, one, uh, one male can breed every female out there. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but hopefully one day that he will be one of those dogs that people do want to breed to. But like I said, again, his size is kind of a negative with that. Oh. Um, a lot of people want that, that um, dual championship I feel. And he, he's just, he's got some size to him. So, gotcha. um, but again, like I said, with pedigrees and all that, like, I'm not going to go into, like, I know a lot about bloodlines and pedigrees and all that. I'm not going to, you know, pretend I know, but there was the guy that's breeding hash. Now he wanted some speed. He wanted some size mm-hmm. into his, his, uh, his line. So that's why he, he picked that. Sure. You
0: know, so yeah, that makes sense. Are you, are you on kind of a dog every four or five years kind of trend right now?
1: <laughs> you know. I don't know what kind of trend I'm on right now. To be honest with you, <laughs> I got, I got, a, uh, you know, yes, I'm going to, I'm probably going to say yes. I'm yeah. not going to point of, And with my life, I'm, you know, I'm, well, how old am I? I don't even know. 35, 36 years old, whatever I am. I got two kids, uh, three and a one-year-old, you know, yeah. uh, I got, you know, sports and yeah, work, life, life's life, busy. Yeah. Life in general. Right. So, um, Am I in the position to have five, 10 dogs like others do right now? No. Am I in the position to have one dog and have fun on, on some weekend trials around here? Heck yeah. You know, Um,
0: (laughs) that's a a good point.
1: um, And, and am I in a position um, to, to send my dog out with Bob to do the trials I'm not able to go to and for him to, to run him in all the opens. Yeah. I'm blessed to be in that position financially with, one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right, right. Um, dog. So, um, so that's how we kind of handle it for now. Um, but I will get to five, you know, four or five, six trials a year to, to nice. get my, and I still have to get his AFC and hopefully we can do that this year. Um, he's only one win away from that. So okay. um, get that done.
0: That's awesome, man. That's very cool. Well, uh, Adam, we're going to kind of wrap up here at the end of every episode. I, uh, I go over uh, kind of a rapid fire question section. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of list off some questions and just give me your, your short answer. And I always tell everyone, if you need to expand on anything, you can, <laughs> there's no rules against okay. it. Um, so we'll, we'll go through these. Um, when you are out hunting, this is a two-part question, actually, when you're out hunting, what gun are you carrying into the uplands?
1: It is a over and under that Breda was a silver pigeon, 12 gauge for pheasant. I would love to be able to downsize to a 20 gauge for quail for out here. Do so it. I, I am not that good of a shot for pheasant specific, you know, so if I could shoot a 10 gauge, I would. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm, I'm not a very good shot. So I do shoot a 12 gauge at those pheasants. They're tough, but I, I, I should go down to a 12, 20 gauge out here. I will probably this year.
0: So. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. I, lo- I love my 20 gauge. I shoot my, I tell everyone this, my 12 gauge, I cannot hit crap. <laughs> my my yeah. 20 gauge, I'll hit, I'll hit anything. Well, not anything, but you yeah. know what I mean? Um, okay. Second part to this question. What, what do you have a blank pistol? What blank pistol are you carrying into the trials or, uh, training
1: I should know this. I do have a blank pistol. It is a very good one. I cannot think of the name. Okay.
0: Is it a 20, 22 can't. or a 209?
1: Yeah, it's a 209. Okay. Blank pistol. Um Dogs Unlimited sells it. It's that
0: gosh. I, I just ordered one too, and I, I can't even remember the name.
1: It's that very lightweight one, very compact. Okay. okay. The structure of it is very small. Um they promote it. They sell. They're great people over there. Dogs okay. Unlimited. Cool. Um, okay. Whatever one that is.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna drive you nuts. Now I know. <laughs> um, I know the feeling. Um, all right. Besides a Brittany, what's your second favorite dog breed?
1: Hmm. You know, just because those short hairs got me into this, and mm-hmm. it got me. And it would probably be probably be the short hairs. I've hunted around them the most. Um they kind of got me thinking and, and involved the trial. So I, I do owe it back to the, the, short hairs. Um, I've also done some pheasant hunting and of course duck hunting with, um, some very talented labs too, but obviously not the pointing side of the sure. breed that we're, doing. but, um, I mean, that was such a basic question. You probably want some like fancy.
0: No, no. I think that's, it's kind of <laughs> interesting to see some, some guys go real fancy side. And, uh, some are just traditional, give me a lab, give me a GSP and, um, yeah. so you'll, you'll make the GSP listeners very, I mean, very happy. You know, GSP.
1: There's some extremely talented setters out there too, that you're going to see in Colorado at okay. some of those trials as well. Um, that are very, very good dogs as well. So mm.
0: did you ever um, do anything with the, uh, Colorado gun dog association? I or did you, not when you were, okay. I know you were in Nebraska, but it was kind of close-ish, but, um, I haven't yeah. done anything with them yet, but um okay favorite bird species to hunt
1: oh those those uh those cold mornings in nebraska are hard to beat with those (laughs) roosters um i I don't you can't beat a good pheasant hunt you know i've been on some decent quail hunts i've been on some really good grouse hunts but that 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 cackle of that rooster is tough (laughs) to beat for me so
0: that that is uh, a special a special feeling
1: yeah and a lot of times i I mean the way I pheasant hunt too is i I like to go on my own you know i like I know a lot of people like to hunt in big groups pheasant hunt make sure they cover that whole field have blockers and all that
0: mm-hmm.
1: like me and there's mm-hmm. nothing better than just me and the dog yeah. in a cold morning in Nebraska watching that dog work and shooting a rooster and it's not about numbers either I don't like yeah. it's it's like fly fishing too like you go out and you fly fish and you, you see one trout sipping on top, you know, it's like, I'm going to catch that trout and I'm done. You know, it's like, same thing. If I have an awesome point to shoot rooster, you know, it's like, all right, I'm good. I'm going to go home and watch football now the rest of the day. <laughs> there you go. That was awesome.
0: There you go. Do you have a, do you have a bucket list bird uh, species that you want to uh, harvest that you haven't yet? Yeah. You
1: know, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind shooting some huns. I wouldn't mind going, you know, out West to shoot chuckers. Um, I think there's some cool quail species down to down South that I wouldn't mind chasing, yep. but, um, but you know, those chuckers seem like a pretty unique bird. That would be fun to,
0: that would be awesome. Do, so that would but be yeah. pretty cool.
1: Kind of a basic, basic answer there too.
0: <laughs> That's all right. All right. These last two might get a little harder for you or actually, you no. Know, no, the last one should be easy. Um, uh, a field trial or a hunt? You got to pick one.
1: Um, if I could have experienced nationals last year and not have COVID, I probably would have picked that experience that I was <laughs> not able to make over a hunt. Um, but I also know that a good hunt. And some of those hunts I've had in Nebraska pheasant hunting were extremely tough to beat. So I was going to, if I was going to put, Oh man, that's a tough question. I know. Let's I know. let well, I should say I would take, I would take a, I would take a, unbelievable hunt. Let's
0: go (laughs) there. I like that. You slid (laughs) in unbelievable. (laughs) I like that. Okay. Um, last easy one. I just have one more closing comment, uh, beverage of choice after a hunt or a trial.
1: Um, there is. Okay. So it's gonna be different after a hunt than after a trial.
0: Okay.
1: Nothing beats a cold beer on the back of a tailgate after a hunt but after a trial, nothing beats sipping on a little whiskey around the, the <laughs> talking gun dogs there. So there you go. That's how I, that makes me sound like a drunk, but
0: uh. <laughs> no, no, you should, you should hear some of the other answers. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Last thing, uh, just kind of leave, uh, our listeners with, um, again, this is kind of a both and question. You can answer one or both. Um, someone who's just getting into upland hunting, just getting into bird dogs or maybe trials, uh, what's the piece of advice that, that you would give them as they're kind of just starting, uh, starting out, maybe this, this starting season's up. their Yeah. Maybe this season's their first one coming up. Maybe they just got a bird dog.
1: And you said both trials and hunting or just trials.
0: I, I'm going to leave it open-ended if you want to pick one or, or tackle both up to you.
1: So, um, I think the first thing is, 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 um, you know, don't expect too much out of your dog. Don't, don't put too much pressure on that dog. Don't expect too much. Uh, keep it fun. Right. Is, is the number one thing. I think a lot of people, you know, expect so much out of that dog, where it's just, it's just not fun for anybody. Um, like I said, my dog didn't really click until he was four four and a half years old. So um, don't, don't expect too much. Um, um, going back to that conversation with trials, I consider that skyline club family, right? So don't be intimidated like I was jump right in. They are more than willing to help you out from the trial aspect of it as well. Um, um, but that, that would be the, the, the main things, right? Is don't expect too much out of your dog. Let it happen naturally. It will happen eventually. Um, be patient. Patience, extremely important word in the gun dog world, I feel. Um, um and uh let others help you out too because i surrounded myself with some great people and, and that's kind of how i got to where i'm at you know i was thinking about the other day it's like my goodness i got a dog did all this and you know now i have a runner-up national champion and a grand field champion and it happened so quick and it was not it was because of everyone else and i had nothing to do with it right <laughs> um so that's cool that, uh, and that's what it's all about. So
0: I love it, man. Well, Adam, thank you so very much uh, for your time. I, I really loved uh, chatting with you, getting to know you a little bit more and uh, just hearing more about your experience and, and both hunting, but also trials. And I really appreciate that. Yep.
1: yep. Anytime you have questions or any of your listeners have questions, even though, you know, even though I said, I've been in this nine years, which is nothing. When you go to these trials, it's, you know, you got the 40, 50 year old guy, you know, guys <laughs> have been in 40, for years but I am willing to help out anybody that needs help or questions answered, or, uh, you know, you need a resource or whatever. I'm here yeah. to help and Absolutely. make sure you put my, uh, my contact in the, in the yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. What's the best ways for people to uh, reach out to you if they have questions?
1: Uh, you can do it through Instagram there, huh. you, you know, or, um, heck I don't even care if you, well, yeah, that's do it through Instagram, you know?
0: Okay. It, and <laughs> you're, is it, uh, Adam Freeman or Freeman Brits?
1: it's freeman's brits um on on instagram
0: Uh, i'll link i'll link it in the in the uh, show notes you got it and then Um, adam
1: on facebook i am on facebook too okay um yeah
0: awesome man well thank you so much and uh you have a great rest of your day you too well see you man Well, that is a wrap of episode 23 with Adam Freeman. Adam, thank you so much, brother. Uh, Love following your journey. Thank you so much for uh, kind of unpacking uh, field trial world and what that means and looks like and what it can look like for the future. Uh, I know I'm very excited to dip my toe in that even more this season coming up. Uh, But... right now we got wild birds to chase so guys let's get out there um if you're not fortunate enough to hunt with or own a britney don't worry because any bird dog is better than no bird dog go put some miles on those boots have fun oh man